You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to talk about corrective exercise. NASM has a corrective exercise program. It is by far just, and this is personal opinion, my favorite product that NASM provides. It's my favorite product that NASM has. Uh, I've contributed a lot to it over time, and uh, I, and I, it's not my favorite because of my contribution, but I contribute to it because that is closer to some of the things that I do um, on a regular basis, what I study, what I practice, and how I implement things. Uh, even when I'm working with some really high-end athletes, I tend to spend more time or as much time doing corrective exercise as I would do performance enhancement. And a lot of times people think about corrective exercise, they think about a lot of things that may or may not be true. One of those includes discussion about pain, which is not what personal trainers deal with. It's not what we talk about. It is not what we address. So if somebody comes to you with pain, that's not for us. That is not for us to deal with. But we are going to talk about corrective exercise, what it is, what it does, and we're going to talk about the corrective exercise program that NASM has. It's newly updated, and it is amazing. Uh, Up-to-date research. I know that on the research that I gathered and pulled together on it, I didn't have anything that was older than 10 years. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say that a lot of the stuff that I've read through, it's really newer. Uh, a lot of the, the most cutting edge portions of the research, the most up-to-date portions of the research. So let's just get into corrective exercise and what is it. Uh, it's really a term to describe the systematic process of identifying neuromuscular skeletal dysfunctions, and then you develop a plan of action. Once you develop the plan of action, you've got to implement an integrative corrective strategy. So you put the stuff together, and it's sophisticated, it's smart, it's well done, but you have to put these assessments in effect, and then you have to be able to provide program design so that you can follow through with your process. Now, you have to understand and be able to apply um a lot of things, including assessments. You need to know your functional anatomy. How do muscles produce and reduce and dynamically stabilize in multiple planes at various speeds in a safe, coordinated fashion? You should know that. Um, and then we put together corrective exercise programs. And you also have to be able to know the the exercise techniques that go along with it. Now, there are th- three processes when it comes to, to doing this. One is you identify the problem. You do an assessment, you identify the problem. Someone does an overhead squat assessment. Someone does a single leg squat assessment. It might be a bridge assessment, a pushing assessment, a pulling assessment. Once you do any of these assessments, and there are numerous assessments that are out there, uh, numerous assessments that NASM discusses in the CES program, you, know, you identify the problem. Then you got to solve the problem. That's what you are here for as a corrective exercise specialist. Once you go through the program, you implement, you provide an assessment, and then you go through this problem-solving process to identify, well, if there is a pattern of dysfunction that is being exhibited, what muscles might be short, tight, overactive, what muscles might be weak and underactive, and then you implement the solution. So you solve the problem, implement the solution. So number one, identify the problem. Number two, solve the problem. Number three, implement the solution all within a scope of practice for a personal trainer. Now, 
I've always said that the NASM corrective exercise continuum should provide relatively immediate results, whether that is qualitative results, quantitative results, or both, but you should be able to get almost immediate results. So before the session is over, so if you're doing a one hour corrective exercise program, which is incredibly long and far too much for almost everybody you're gonna be working with, but these 15 minute corrective programs might look more like a movement prep program where you're getting somebody prepared for exercise, should be able to, to see immediate results if, and these are the ifs, these are the followings, if the assessment is done correctly. You have to be able to set the assessment up correctly, you gotta be able to perform it correctly, instruct it correctly, and not over-instruct it. I think it's another very important thing that you have to add to it. Assessments need to be interpreted correctly. So you could do a wonderful, a wonderful assessment, set it up perfectly, and not know how to interpret the outcomes. So if you miss things or you don't know what it means when you see certain things happening, then the assessment is interpreted correctly, uh, interpreted incorrectly. You have to be able to interpret it correctly in order to get those results. The intervention um, is programmed and performed correctly, which means you're putting together this intervention, and once you do the assessment correctly, you interpret it correctly, and then you program what to do correctly. They should feel better, or the movement should feel better. It should objectively look better. If not, reassess and readdress the program, otherwise refer out, if, it, if it's a problematic program, right? So somebody, um, the, the movement dysfunction seems to be like something that, that it is going to limit or impede somebody's ability to perform. All right, and again, we don't deal with pain as personal trainers. So when somebody comes in and says, oh, I have a lot of shoulder pain, just say, hey, I'm so sorry, that is not my job. What I can do though, and this is what we can speak to, uh, I'm a movement professional, so I can look at your movement, I can do assessments, and I can provide feedback based on those assessments. If the assessment leads me to address short, tight, overactive muscles or underactive, weaker muscles, and that helps to mitigate your pain, great. But I don't go into it trying to mitigate people's pains. I don't go into it saying that I'm going to help you with your pain. Not my job. And I, th I get it. I get it. We as trainers, we oftentimes want more. But what we should really want is what we're the best at. And we shouldn't want to be something that we're not. So when somebody comes in with pain, that's not for us. It's not for you. Send them out. If somebody comes in and they want to, to move better, or if somebody says, hey, I've got low back pain, join the club. 85% of the population at some point is going to experience it, and most people experience it in, in that group relatively regularly. So that's not a dysfunction as far as an abnormality. That is somebody comes in with lower back discomfort. You do the best you can as a fitness professional to address short, tight, overactive muscles. What's overactive? What's underactive? What can you implement? Not to get rid of pain necessarily, but to take care of the imbalance. If that mitigates the pain, bless you. Great job. Continue down that process, right? So we don't necessarily have to refer out in that case. All right, y'all. Here's the con uh, corrective exercise continuum. It's a four-part process. It goes like this. Inhibit, lengthen, activate, and integrate. So inhibit is going to be myofascial techniques. They are self-administered compression techniques that use a foam roller or uh, a uh, a, a different type of apparatus. There are companies out there that, that utilize these things, Trigger Point, Hyperize, so many companies out there, so, so many wonderful brands out there. 
all right? Um, and, then, and then you put compressive forces into it. It helps to minimize um, some of that activation. We'll get into it a little bit more. Then you're going to lengthen. So after you inhibit, you go into a lengthening process, and that's going to be a static stretch or a neuromuscular stretch. Now, for our purposes, it's static stretching. We're going to focus on static stretching in order to increase range of motion. When we get that increased range of motion, then we can go into the activation process. Activation is providing strength to your newfound range of motion. So now you got range of motion when you went through the static stretching. So now we're going to create activations through that range of motion. So let's say in dorsiflexion, right? Initially, you started to, to do this and you tested at five degrees dorsiflexion and you go through and you go through your in inhibitions, you go through your lengthening, and now you activate. Well, if you've inhibited and lengthened, you might have 12 degrees range of motion in dorsiflexion. So now you're activating through that full dorsiflexion range of motion. That happens with every one of these components. As we provide range of motion, then we provide strength to it. And then the final one is integration, dynamic movement. So let's talk about myofascial techniques for a moment. Foam rolling. It's been shown to in, uh, increase range of motion, decrease muscle activity. Uh, our current understanding, uh, we, we don't know a lot, to be honest. The research suggests that it could be neurophysiological in its response, and neurophysiological means uh, it could have to do with mechanoreceptors. It could be that you inhibit this one portion and your nervous system is creating the inhibitory response, allowing for range of motion to take place and reducing tension in that area. The other probability is that there's going to be a mechanical response. Mechanical response could be uh, a, a heating up of the tissue. So as you're rolling around and you're looking for maybe these tender spots, you're actually um, and, and increasing heat and that heat increases range of motion. It could be potentially that you were breaking something up, whatever adhesive components are there, uh, and, and then allow those tissues to slide across each other a little bit better. Now, something to add here, which I think is important to talk about when you do foam rolling, is that there are a lot of people um, think that it should be painful and maybe find it painful. It's not that it should be painful. We don't want it to necessarily be painful. We want it to be, I mean, I don't know how comfortable it can be, but uh, we want it to be something that you can relax into. So if you're doing the foam rolling and you can't relax your muscles and you're squeezing your fist tight and you've got white knuckles and you're holding your breath and you can't relax, then if it is a true neurophysiological response, you are by far inhibiting that. You've got what's called uh, a sympathetic response to it, you, you've got a, uh, a pain response, and it's causing you to, to tighten up. We want that, uh, that uh, parasympathetic response. We want it to, to calm down. We want it to relax. So control your breathing. If it hurts too much, get off of that point. And try to relax into it. Lengthening. Lengthening is a, um, we're looking at as a corrective flexibility, which means if you don't need to increase the range of motion, you shouldn't be doing this type of flexibility. So you don't need to do static stretching 
unless you're trying to increase range of motion, unless you're trying to actually create a corrective strategy. Um, I have a lot of people, I have a lot of clients that say, you know, can you, can you stretch my hamstring for me, stretch my hamstring? And then I get ready to do what's called a 90-90 test. So I put them at a 90 degree hip flexion, they're lying on their back, so they're face up supine, uh, 90 degrees of hip flexion, their knees bent at 90 degrees, and I try to straighten their knee. And I straighten their knee all the way out, and they go, no, I can actually do this. And they will grab their leg while it's straight, pull it back towards their head. They basically are making out with their knee. They can kiss it. They're so close to their face. They're, it, the range of motion is incredible, and they want me to keep stretching them. And I go, no, no, that's not for me. I don't, I'm not going to stretch you in that range of motion. Um, and they say, oh, I like it. Well, that's cool. You can do it. But our time is going to be better spent with each other doing what you need, not necessarily what you want. And it's not that it's wrong, but there are some writer things that we can do with our clients while we're working with them. Corrective strategies, things like static stretching. You need them to relax into the stretch. It's going to last about 30 seconds. But again, if you overstretch somebody, their muscles are going to contract. They are going to fight that stretch and they're not going to relax into it. And you want that relaxation response. That's how we're going to get uh, increase some range of motion. A lot of people, when you get that 30 second hold, they do what I um, not so affectionately refer to as the one, two, skip a few method. So instead of actually getting a full 30 seconds, they will think 30 seconds into existence. One, two, skip a few, and 30. And they'll go right into the next stretch. Minimum 30 seconds. All right. It's not hard. If it's too much stretch, don't go that far into the stretch. It is better to hold a mild stretch than an intense stretch. So you get that, that relax from the uh, mechanoreceptors. And then you go through the motions and you repeat it for multiple occasions, depending on how much flexibility uh, increase that you're looking for. All right. Activate. Activation techniques are used to re-educate the muscles. It is neuromuscular re-education. So not just the muscles, it's the nervous system clearly that we're re-educating, but we want to increase activation of underactive tissues. And these are these underactive tissues are going to be identified during the assessment process. So let's say you have a uh, range of motion and you foam roll and you stretch. Now you've increased your range of motion. The great thing about this is that, that now we can increase our activation through a new range of motion. Now, in sixth grade, seventh grade, I was in the band. I played an instrument called a trombone and the band instructor would come over and he would work with people individually. All right. He would say, hey, you you need to, to work on this. And he would work with us individually. But then the rest of us as trombones would sit in a group and we would work together as trombones in a group. All right. So this is these are muscles and portions of the same muscle all working together in order to increase what's called intramuscular coordination. So it's increasing how we activate um, within the same muscle fiber or within the same muscle unit, right? So there are multiple muscle fibers in, let's say, a bicep, but the bicep in general, I'm taking the individual fiber, that one trombone and the other trombone and the other, all these fibers that are in one muscle, and they're learning how to coordinate within that muscle, intramuscular coordination. When you do the activations, these are going to be things that you do for one to two sets. You're going to do 10 to 15 repetitions, and the tempo is going to be slow. It's a four-second 
eccentric, that's a negative. It is a two-second isometric pause and a one-second concentric lift. Then we're going to go into integrations. Integrations, getting the muscle that you just inhibited and the ones that you lengthen and now you're going to work with activated muscles. Now we're getting them to learn to work with everything. So the ones that you did the, the foam rolling to, the lengthening to, the activation to, now we're getting them all to communicate together. We're getting them not to just do anything in isolation or intramuscularly, but we're taking all of these individual components, these individual band members and individual instruments, and we're putting them together in an orchestra. So they learn to play well together. That's what we want. We want them to play well together. That is intermuscular coordination. We're coordinating our movement. And we're going to get these things to work well together. A lot of times we'll do this with a couple of things. One, we need to do an exercise that includes the upper body, an exercise that includes the lumbopelvic hip complex, and the lower body. So we've got the lower body working, the upper body working, the LPHC, lumbopelvic hip complex, is in between them. So it is working concurrently when you do an upper and a lower body exercise. And collectively, these integrated dynamic movement techniques, uh, they're going to enhance the functional capacity and they're going to allow us to focus on the synergistic function uh, of how the agonists, the antagonists, the synergists, the stabilizers, the neutralizers all work together during movement. Now, when you do this, this integrated technique, it's going to be one to three sets, 10 to 15 repetitions, and you're going to control the tempo. So I'm not necessarily putting a number on you, but here's the thing. You're not going to go too fast. You're not going to go too slow. You're going to be very, very controlled. Now, when you look at what we've got going on in this new corrective exercise program, um, it's freshly updated. And it's got a lot of new information that's in it, updated information. The science is really solid as we go through and develop these programs. But then we go through the, the context of everything that's there, and their entire chapters put together on foot and ankle strategy. So if you have a foot and ankle dysfunction, whether that is pronation, which is sequential combination of dorsiflexion, eversion, and abduction, when you've got pronation, then what are some of the other things that happen? And a big portion of this discussion in the new corrective exercise strategies is called the regional interdependence model. And it states that dysfunction in one location shows its dysfunction in other locations or dysfunction in one area can cause discomfort in a totally different area. And so the review of that model is valuable, this regional interdependence model, because a lot of times people go, oh, I hurt right here. It hurts me here. Um, I don't feel good when I do shoulder. My shoulder bothers me. And we look at it and we go, oh man, the shoulder, the shoulder must be what's wrong. And let's give all these shoulder exercises. It might not be the problem at all. It might be a scapular problem the inability for the scapula to move appropriately. Well, what caused the scapula problem? Well, that might be a thoracic spine problem. Well, the thoracic spine problem, that's, that's it's stuck. It's not moving very well. That limited movement in the thoracic spine is limited. Well, what caused the thoracic spine? So you see this is kind of this whack-a-mole process that the new corrective exercise strategy in the NASM program can help you disseminate. After you do the foot and ankle, another chapter is there is knees. 
So knee dysfunction, knee valgus, knee varus, wobbly knees, you're gonna pay attention to all those things. Shoulder and thoracic spine is reviewed in depth in a chapter there. So what goes on at the shoulder? What goes on at the thoracic spine? Cervical spine, an additional chapter. Um, and then it's gonna talk about recovery and self-care. And probably one of the better things about it is all the details that you're gonna see in it. It's delivered in this wonderful online format with some of the most cutting edge um, delivery methods that, that are out there in the world of education that NAF, NASM has employed, which I'm really proud of. And when I first saw it, I thought, what a, what a brilliant technical design. But here's the last chapter to address. It's real world applications. Sometimes when we get really caught up, we get real caught up that here's this clinical approach and this clinical approach and here's what the science says. And, and I know that there's a lot of scientific verbiage and I feel like maybe I'm a smarter trainer, but because I don't know how to apply it, I'm not necessarily a better trainer. Well, the real world applications in this new context in the new CES program, the Corrective Exercise Specialization, it's going to be really helpful for you. So that's the new corrective exercise specialist. Uh, it's an incredible product. It's my, again, my personal favorite product from NASM. I suggest that you check it out. If it's something that you're interested in, please follow up with NASM. Check it out. If you've got questions for me, let me know. Thanks, y'all. It's been a pleasure. If you've got questions, always holler. You can reach out. Mostly uh, active on Instagram, dr.rickrichie. That's R-I-C-K-R-I-C-H-E-Y. Or you can hit me up at rick.richie at nasm.org and leave your feedback. Thank you so much and we'll get you next time.